So, uh, I am reminded of a little story. Let's start with that. The story I had read as a child, very interesting. It's called Mushika Bhava. Anyone has read this story? Be a mouse. So, there was this Rishi to cut the flab out and just keep to the basics. So, there is that Rishi who has a little daughter. Uh, uh, no, who has a little, uh, you know, rat all around. And uh, his wife wants a child. So, she requests him, you have so many powers, why don't you do some magic and get a child? So, he says, okay, with a mantra, he makes this uh, little mouse into a lovely, beautiful child. So, wonderful, all good. And then the child grows up. When she comes of age, then you have to decide a partner for her. So, they start looking for partners. And she doesn't like all the possible human beings. She just says, no, 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 this not, doesn't suit me, this doesn't suit me. You know, when we want to look at the defective side of creation, <laughs> there is enough. And when we want to look at the beautiful side, there is also enough. But anyways, this is only one of the first lessons. So, eventually he says, okay, if not human being, he says, you are a Rishi, why not the gods? He says, okay, fine. So, he invokes the sun god and says, sun god says, fine, you know, your daughter and you are a great Rishi. I will happily marry her. But she rejects him, says, sun god is too, too intense, I can't bear his heat. Okay, so, who else? There's somebody greater than the sun. Now he thinks about it, says, okay, clouds are greater than the sun because they can cover, at least temporarily, they can create an illusion that there is no light. So, the cloud god comes, he says, it's too dark. Those were not the days when dark was beautiful. Of course, if you go back to Indian mythology, dark is beautiful. Savra, Salona, you know, we have those Draupadi, Shama, all this. So, anyways, so he says, uh, it's too dark. Who else? Somebody more mightier than the clouds. Mightier than the clouds. Okay, the wind god. He disperses the clouds. So, the wind god comes. He says, my god, he is so restless. I can't, I can't cope with this guy. He is all the time running here and there. I can't. I want little bit more stability. So he says, okay, stability, okay, the mountain, very stable, can stop even the winds. So the mountain god comes, he says, my god, this is too strong and too much aloof for me. I want someone who can be mightier than the mountain. Who can be mightier than the mountain? Till suddenly the mountain says, you know what, there is someone who can even cut through me, dig a hole in me. Who is it? The rat. Wow, that's my choice. So eventually, the Rishi has to tell her, Mushika Bhava, be a rat, because you know, that's what your happiness is. Now this story is a reminder of many things. As I said, to start with, uh, there are two ways of looking at it, life, we all know that. And we can look at its uh, actualities as they are now, or we, we can look at the possibilities. Even the actualities, if you look at it, there are always uh, beautiful things in everyone. But it's very unfortunate that in certain interactions, we always bring out the worst. And in some other interactions, the same person brings out the best in another human being. Now, that's a very complex affair and uh, I'm not entering into that. The second aspect is that we are full of possibilities. This little rat was full of possibilities to become a human being, to become a god, to, you know... Soar beyond the skies, everything was possible. But we fall back into our comfort zone. 
and this i think is the primal tragedy of us humans that uh, unlike the animal kind we have plenty of possibilities before us but we fall back on our comfort zone now there is a period of our evolutionary movement when it's okay because the evolutionary urge has not become very prominent inside us so it's okay we live in a comfort zone like the animals they are very fine you know living in a comfort zone but in man the evolutionary urge has begun to become more and more prominent and as human beings grow up the scale they the evolutionary urge takes uh, more and more stronghold you know it's very interesting that as so called civilization develops the psychological disorders increase it's a factual studies which is you know people have done and they wondered what is the reason so one of the things is that as we evolve as our consciousness evolves many things begin to happen one of them is that we become intensely aware of a subjective self which we are not normally aware and this subjective self starts creating lot of issues see a early stages of mankind you are happy with whatever your external life is but as this subjective self develops we become aware of a vital self desires interest you know passions hobbies and god knows what and then as the mental self develops and then it's still deeper self and so we begin to seek beyond the little framework and this seeking beyond the little framework is an invitation to step out of the comfort zone which we do not want because that means effort so we are caught in between where on one side we have possibilities opening before us on the other side there is this fear of the unknown this lack of courage lack of trust whatever we may say and we want to stay where we are now nature is pushing us beyond these boundaries because the evolutionary power is becoming stronger and stronger you know we can't live with the mohalla mentality as was the time you know the world is moving very fast technology and uh, communication and everything has uh, started making life so interconnected that uh, even if uh, you shut yourself in a room you can still open yourself to the whole world so there are many things which are happening which are pushing us to expand beyond our boundaries and one of them which is a strange root nature has taken is psychological disorders so what happens in a disorder of course in a certain sense we all live in a state of disorder only we call it order you know like children moms here so they know what it means so they go to children's room and say oh they arrange the books sometimes they will arrange the room without the child's knowledge and what is the reaction of the child mom you disturbed my room isn't it um why do you have to do this no 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 you know your room was in disorder who told you now i can't find my things so it's because we are so used to a certain degree of disorder that it's okay with us you know like people live in strange places places prone to storms if you if you go to desert places you know people live where there are frequent sandstorms or people in the mountains they just get used to a certain kind of life where they make their comfort zone and they don't want to move beyond it so the first thing which we need to understand is that we actually as such live as if blinded by a kind of storm only we have learned to accept it and this acceptance not necessarily very healthy acceptance acceptance is a great power but here what happens is that we accept that our eyes will always remain muddy and dusty so we we can never see clearly 
so let's take a simple example when a schizophrenic he this label has no meaning when we talk about in spiritual term but it's just for the sake of communication let's say somebody who has lost balance insanity he picks up a stone and throws so we rush him oh he has gone mad if he does it four five times he's gone mad if he does it you know it's a way of life for him is a personality disorder but when people throw barbs of speech at others do we call them disordered no we just you know well just got angry i am sorry do you think uh, what do you feel which is more uh, harmful a stone or a barbed speech which a stone you can really go and emotionally connect and say look here i am sorry but if you have spoken a word which is extremely you know it it can lands through and rip apart and the wound may stay for a very long time hey right? we don't call it disorder <laughs> anger is a way of life for most human beings sometime or the other you know people get angry and then there is a very neat justification vanity let's take another example when a manic in a state of mania boasts about himself you know what i am god i am this i am that he has got mania we need to treat him but aren't we all boastful aren't we all having vanity inside in our glass bubble we are the best person in the world and everybody else is like a little next to us so this is uh, what i'm trying to say is we are all the time when we live in this world we are taking our share of poison we don't realize it we meet we interact and we take it like as if you know like people take a little drink in the evening and feel good so we think this is part of life imagine if two people don't speak to each other and live together they don't need to speak to each other they don't need to really express it to each other but they have care and concern many people will find this kind of a life very boring after some time you say okay picture bhi to jana hai you know we want to have good food and we want to go out and then what happens next is there is a discussion how was the movie and then there is a fight so without um, if things are too quiet that also disturbs us because we are not used to quiet we are used to storms if nobody speaks if you know husband and wife when they don't speak after some time people start wondering are you okay is everything fine your anger was better than your silence silence is intimidating at least get angry it makes me feel you are alive and makes me feel i am alive a famous urdu poet is written like that uh, i don't know if some of you probably know urdu kisi ranjish ko hawa do ki main zinda hu abhi ranjish is like you know anger and all that yeah those emotions he says at least you make me feel some kind of a strong negative emotion towards you because i want to feel alive <laughs> it's a very strange poetry but that is the factuality of many of us we live as if in a stormy island with a quaking base someone described the human mind from vivekananda in this way that as if a monkey is climbing on a pole and the pole is on a ship and the ship is rocked by the turbulent waves of the ocean such is the human mind so frankly speaking we should talk about psychological order <laughs> disorder is a way of life 
only sometimes it spills over and becomes what we call as disorder because become socially not acceptable it becomes too obvious like ardi links at the famous mystic swims and the schizophrenic drowns a very instructive story a uh, real life story of you know someone was going in a car with a minister and um, he saw a little street urchin throw a stone at the a poster of film actors he threw a stone and this man says look at this fellow so uncouth he doesn't know no manners he's throwing the stone and so this man told the minister he said you know what he is this it's a spill over of what we carry inside in our mind we throw stones at people you know when we look at social evils nowadays so much talk is going on me to movement now if you look at the roots where are the roots as long as if we as human beings treat women like subordinate slaves then me too is an extreme symptom of a deep rooted malady you treat women as you know a household object of pleasure then this is going to be the end result it won't get corrected just by uh, let's say a legal framework it needs a lot of education lot of reorientation of the entire society so every ill that we see every disorder that we see it's a reminder first that look this is our inner state only we have been able to keep it in some underbelly that underbelly we all know is the subconscious and time to time it erupts but we know how to give it a nice coloring and this coloring is what we live by this is called insincerity many of us are not aware how we live our life unconsciously you know even mother and shubhendra's work there are people who say i am doing mother's work have you heard sometimes driven by ambition <laughs> i'm sorry this is a fact ego you don't know i am an instrument of god god must be laughing he can use even titan as instrument look at what happened how he burnt lanka you know that the story why the lanka got burnt you know when hanuman is sitting on on the tree he hears trijata who is a caretaker of sita that you know this lanka is going to be burnt hanuman thinks and says nay this is not possible rama has not asked me to burn lanka i am not going to burn it so who will burn lanka so he is wondering then he says lord's ways are strange now ravan himself puts his tail on fire he invites the monkey to burn his lanka not knowing what is possible so very often this is how we lead our life covered in wraps of unconsciousness not knowing that that for the divine he uses even all that is dark even evil as an instrument for our evolutionary purposes now this understanding of life which is to see the one behind everything is called oneness it's a very liberating experience it cannot come just by a mental concept to see the one everywhere is one of the fundamental experiences of vedanta that we you know we divide life into two halves there is a good and there is a bad it's okay at a certain stage of evolution but it's not okay at another stage of evolution that's what we are seeing today you know children don't live by good and bad what do they live by authenticity i feel it this way it may be bad for you but it's okay for me this is a first stage you become aware of everything that is inside you 
when mother was asked about offering offering is one of the ways we use in yoga to get rid of things we want to get rid of or to transform them because we know what is the principle behind it we as human beings didn't create this universe we didn't create the play of forces we didn't create nature but we want to be its master and control it we are going to mess it up if we do it our way look that's what has happened every time we want to do it with a little mind we do something good and there are many other effects that follow in medicine we know it that you know uh, other day somebody was asking me about the number of antibiotics i said this whole line of approach medicine has taken is false why so what should we do so i said you know medicine should have followed a line of approach how to boost body's natural ability to fight illness it has an ability you have developed drugs after drugs popularize the whole body now the body is totally confused now it can't fight it's a fact we have become like weaklings vassal state pakistan supported by american money and now by chinese money so you will never develop your own strengths that's what has happened so this is not the line of approach we need to look at the whole thing very differently so today when you know when we become aware that these are my uh, things and my issues so when we offer what we are doing is we are giving it to the origin to the creator the source within us that's where everything has come out from if you want to do it with the part of the machinery it will be almost impossible impossible we need to get back to the source of all things it doesn't matter whether we call god this god that god no god it's it's not relevant the fact is there is a source an origin from which everything has emerged and when we connect through whatever means and medium then that source begins to act upon us and it opens up new possibilities and one of them is clearing up the disorder because it understands the roots of nature we don't understand let's ask a simple question is anger needed or not needed story of ramakrishna when there was a snake and shri ramakrishna told him why are you biting everybody is scared of you he said okay holy man i will not do so in future after one year when the holy man returns the snake is bruised absolutely and bleeding he says why what happened he said now nobody is scared of me so all the children come and they throw stones at me so what to do you gave this advice this is fool i told you not to bite but i didn't tell you that don't raise your hood yeah that's your nature so don't completely so we have two elements in us one is our true nature swabhava and sudharma of the gita and if we lead life according to that we'll be having a life by and large free of conflicts there is a very interesting lesson in mahabharata there are many lessons one of them is when gandhari asked bhima how could you kill all my sons you didn't have mercy even at least one you should have left so you know bhima's reply if they were 200 or 1000 i would have still killed all of them may sound very brutal and cruel but bhima is bhima if there is injustice he fight that's his law of life he must fight wherever there is injustice he exterminates he doesn't care about like you know leave imagine a soldier whose nature is kshatriya warrior so there is something called as our true nature it's a gift from the divine to lead our life it it also moves within a frame 
but it is an indication for our life. And there is something which is superimposed on it. Where does this superimposition come from? Well, there is a whole play of forces in which we are caught, comes from the inconscient here, there, everywhere. And we won't get into it because of the time constraint. But basically, let's say desire and ambition come, come in and distort the original script. That is the difference between Karna and Arjuna. Arjuna is asked to act according to his true Kshatriya nature. What about Karna? He is obliged to his friend. So he says, Dharma is okay, but I know you are being a Dharma, but I am obliged to you. Look at the subtlety. He doesn't follow Dharma because he feels obliged. How many times in life we suffer because we want to please others? Because we are obliged. Isn't it? Lot of children nowadays, they want to follow a certain line and parents become a doctor. Now doctor is not fashionable, sorry, 10 years some become a politician. No, that's not yet uh, reputable. Become this, that. They just want to be a dancer and explorer. And <laughs> It's your innate urge. So, who distorts first? Parents. They put in the seed of ambition and desire right at the time of conception. Look at the poison where it is sown. You know, chill. Parents having children, sometimes I get surprised. A girl asked me, Uncle, I don't want to have a child and I'm cool with it. My husband wants to have a child. Because he says, when we grow old, who will look after us? I said, this is horrible to hear. You want a living being so that budhape ka sahara. I said, you're not weak, helpless creatures. You're a human being. It's okay. Everybody grows old. You don't need a... Uh, boy by your side to look after you, you need just a stick and a mobile on which you should have number of your and you should have lived a life of goodwill so that there are people who will be with you when you need. You don't need a... Imagine! And that's how many many persons think, no? Isn't it absurd? Where is the seed sown? At birth. Conception. Then ambitions. Then these are distortions of a deeper truth. The result is conflict. And all these conflicts are essentially evolutionary conflict. The Gita starts with a conflict. Should I do this? Should I do that? And we all face this conflict. How do we resolve conflicts? Normally? What do we do? We try with the mind. The monkey. The monkey tilts sometimes this side till sometime that side. Then we go to another monkey <laughs> and a third monkey <laughs> at the end. <laughs> the more monkeys we go to, the more we are confused. Then we go to a psychiatrist, the master monkey. He says, you know what, you need fluoxetin. So, for a moment, <laughs> we think we are out <laughs> because we are not facing the issue. The thing is there, many disorders are simply a way of avoiding the real issue. So you are in a state of, ah, I have this pain, I have, you know, my thoughts are running. It's, I'm saying something which psychologists do recognize. I'm sure psychologists among says, know what I'm speaking about. So it's a denial, you know. I have severe backache, what to do, what to do. Yeah, whole attention is on the back pain. But if you get cured of the back pain, you have to face the real issues. 
I want to face real issues because that means I have to step out of the comfort zone. <laughs> so, but that's not the way. We have to have the courage to live the true life that we are meant to live. There is nothing wrong with it. All that psychiatrists need to do is to talk to the person and see what is the real life that one had wanted to really lead. Sometimes you can do it in, there are many ways. I'm just giving one way. I often ask my clients that, look, you know, okay, forget about if, if there was no constraint on your life, economic, parental, pressure, anything, social. What kind of life you would like to dream of living? So the person comes up with very interesting things. So why aren't you able to do that now? Well, these are the problems. So you have to give the courage to walk. It's, it's very strange that because of fear, at one point mother says, fear is the greatest impurity and fear is not just about looking at a snake and shrinking. No, that's a physical fear. Fear is the lack of courage to live the life you have wanted to live deep within you. And to be distracted by ambitions, desires, lust for money. This is not the life. These are, you know, artificial ways of bringing back the joy. You know, again, people get depressed. If you lead a true life, you will be happy very naturally. You are doing what you are meant to do. But we don't lead. So there is a depression. So when there is a depression, we are falling upon the ego self. Oh my God, you know, my life is so miserable. And always there is somebody outside. So there is also anger. If nobody is there, then God is there. Poor fellow, he has to take all the blame. <laughs> so <laughs> always there is somebody outside us. So naturally we have no hold over it. So slowly we take two, three courses. recourses. One is, of course, we get depressed. Other is we start leading a hollow life and we start filling this hollowness with all kinds of artificial colors. We don't have the sunlight, so filled with all kinds of artificial lights. So people are very busy, arting, drinking, drugs. There is no joy inside, no love inside. Narcissistic behavior, cruelty, because this feeder energy, joy and love, they feed us. They keep us going. It's missing. And so we take to our wanton ambition. I know people who at the top of their career, they committed suicide. Even recently I heard of a you know, doctor who was very good and committed suicide. Why do they do it? You just wonder. Because life continued to remain hollow. We tried to fill it outwardly, but there comes a point when you do see it, the hollowness of it all. Yes, and that it starts. And that's what is called in yogic term, inconscient. What is the inconscient? Leave aside the philosophical part. It's an empty abyss. So what does the empty abyss do? Cries, fill me, fill me, fill me, fill me. How do we fill it? All kinds of things and it's like a blind well. You throw and it vanishes. What can eventually fill it? Only the divine love. That of course is the ultimate remedy. But even a drop of true love or a true life is enough. So one of the causes is we have become anything. There is a basic seed of falsehood that is introduced right from conception. And we don't lead the life that we are meant to lead. That's why today one of the mantras which I love, you know, when children say it, 
though they don't understand what it means but we are entering an intuitive age so many times children are saying things whose deeper sense they don't know but the very fact they are saying these words that means one day they will know and one of the things is be real you heard about it i want to be real of course they don't understand what it is to be real but at least they want to be authentic and real if they don't respect you you may be your, their parent and they don't care good for the parent <laughs> good for the child yeah 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 many things hypocrisy what they don't like if you if you take yeah if you take a conduct a study all around and ask youngsters what is it that they most dislike number of things yes hypocrisy fake so this is something we are living in an age of truth authenticity and people say these guys are bad actually you guys are outdated so i am caught in between by the way you know so so <laughs> well i am entering the senior citizen soon <laughs> couple of years but the point is that we need to lead a life of truth and authenticity truth in the highest sense is of course a different i mean it's a ultimate thing but let's start leading a life which is more authentic more true then of course this very world as i said even if you want to lead it you will have tremendous resistances this is the other part that you know because as i said we are caught in a in a battlefield you know there are people who live in a battlefield and learn to live with it uh, i was in siachen for 3 months part of my air force uh, this thing so you know there people get bored both sides they are doing nothing so they must fire their guns because they also want to make sure that everything is working well so a lot of firing goes on just as a practice match and everybody knows so they will fire for two days and then these guys will say okay we'll fire for two days so it's like everything is okay equipment is fine and the shelling going on and i still remember a scene as in my memory while the shelling is going on i am sitting inside a bunker having a nice cup of tea with pakodas listening to some vivid bharti radio i said this this is life <laughs> this is strange but it taught me a lesson which mother tells suta she says you know my child when storm is raging outside what should you do you just open a door and enter and bolt it very practical there is in us an inner door and we need to open it by its nature this space is free of all storms of course when we engage with life storms will come but there we must find a vantage point where the monkey can rest we don't have in the field of nature in mind life and body we don't have this poise so what we do during sleep we fall into that abyss for a moment this abyss takes away everything including our sorrows and everything but we make a momentary contact with that source which makes us rest it's like being cradled in the arms of a mother if we can make it a conscious habit just every day to open this door the key is there the key is of course a concentration and when we do it apply it every day because it's rusted centuries we have not used the key you know like in marriage people ask you know 
after five years, they're very unhappy with each other. So, often one of the things I tell them, okay, it's okay, you know, you want to separate and all these, no issues about it. But marriages are never done for your young age. People don't realize it. Marriages are meant, practically speaking, for old age. <laughs> young age is all the turbulence, storm, here, there, quarrels. But if you stick on, you know the old man is like this. He's a bit cranky, don't worry. You didn't take your medicine, no? BP medicine. And when the lady is all anger on fire, he says, and if people are what happened? I shanto You know, or something. Because they get to know each other and they are able to long time they practice living together. So now they know they are friends. They are no more husband and wife, they are friends. This is the best relationship you can ever have in life is friendship. The moment you put it into a frame, man-made, mind-made frame, wife, husband. So what comes with it? Host of expectations. Wife equal to this, 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 this. Husband equal to this, 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 this. Father is this, mother is this. Child means this, this. You know, we have slots. Have you noticed? The moment you use a word, slots come in. But if you say friend, what does it mean? What do you expect a friend? It's a beautiful thing. Friend is with you, even if somewhere else, you know, you can trust a friend. You may not meet a friend for a couple of years. Still, when you meet, you want to share your whole life. You haven't shared with people, you want to share with a friend, isn't it? This is the future of relationships. That's why today we are seeing that the frames are breaking down. What People achieve in marriage at 70, friendship. After so much papad bilna, they could achieve it from beginning, you know, let's be friends. But what enters in between again as a corrupting fruit? Not just expectations. I'm going to say something which, you know, because we are all mature, you'll find it very strange to probably believe it, but I can tell you sexuality, lust. It's, it's a fact that, you know, it's a fact of experience. When the moment two people get engaged only in the sexual sphere, without a meeting of personalities, without a deeper, of course, there can be a deeper truth in everything, including this. But very often nature plays a strange game. Very often this, there was neat coated capsule in olden times. Bache bhi to chahiye. A very decent way of, you know, putting it across. Why marriage? You want to have children. When you have children, function of marriage is over. What happens after that? Like biologically, man walks away in his own life and poor lady is rearing up the child. Do we want that kind of life? So strange. It's still we see that we are drawn towards it. But if two people can stay friends, even different genders, without the intrusion of this element, life can be beautiful. You just have the masculine and the feminine energies which balance each other without bringing in the distortions that all this play of wanton lust brings in. Okay, yeah, I, it may intervene, it can intervene, all that is fine. But that should become a linchpin around which relationship between a man and a woman revolves. Either when you say because of children or when you say, you know, because of the sexual need, biological need, then that becomes the linchpin. 
That's not the linchpin. The linchpin is love. The linchpin is friendship. You can connect with someone. It doesn't matter. And if humanity moves along this line, you'll see that all this idea about physical attractiveness, all this will go into the background. It doesn't matter. You don't choose friends based on their, you know, how attractive they are. Now, humanity is moving in that direction. Only some of us have to be the spearheads. That's how the future opens its doors. So what I am saying is that there is a true self and a true nature. And we are living in a world which is all the time poisoning us. Every day we must open this door, sit quietly and go within. If we have exercised this regularly to open this door, a time comes when whenever we are faced with this onslaught of poison, we know the antidote is within us. We just have to sit quietly and go within. What do we do till we have opened the door? So there is also within nature something given to us which we don't develop or we misuse. And it's something which human beings are soft-wired or hard-wired to use. There is a faculty called as Vivek. Opening the door is Chaitya to enter into the psychic being. But that is not easy. It takes time. But there is something within our reach. And that's called Vivek. There is no equivalent in single equivalent word in English language. It's not reason. It's discriminating intellect. If you want to use, there are two words. There are many intellectuals. Very rational, but don't have Vivek. Right? Because the difference between normal reason, which is Tark Shakti, is that just a power. Any part of a nature can use it. You kill someone and you can use your reason. I did it because he said this and I got angry and I killed. End of the story. You know, like we had heard all those nonsensical crude remarks by the ministers. Boys are like that. What is justification? Just imagine. Women dress up like that. Isn't it so crude? But according to them, they are justifying by the use of reason. It's rational. Now, Vivek doesn't do that. What does the Vivek do? You are in the house or standing at the door. So what do you do before stepping out? You look at the sky and you see a storm is likely to come. So you say, I think I better stay inside. Or if I still have to stay out, step out, I must go protected. Make sure that I am not caught up in the storm. So I already prepare myself for that. How many times we are driven by impulsive passions and the Vivek is clouded and we bear the consequences of being caught in the storm much later. The Gita gives a simple remedy. Yeah, I'll explain that. Krodhat Bhavati Sammoha Driven by passion. Let's take the communist example. We say something which we repent later. Or we just think, this is what I want to do. And we do it. And then we wonder, we can't step back. Because we have played our game and we are in the storm now. Why? Because the Vivek is not trained. If Vivek was trained, we should have foreseen that this is likely to happen. I'll give you an example of a 
real life event which created a lot of debate in the minds of people a young girl in her teens early teens went to meet a man and she went started complaining of a back pain now she went to meet alone in the room and the man took it as a signal and he started getting closer to her that's when she got bit nervous and frightened and raised the alarm and the man had to go through the consequences now who is right who is wrong there were those who said you know it's the girl's fault she went all the way and gave signals some said it's the man's fault the point is that in both of them the vivek had gone but in a young girl you don't expect vivek to be so active because she's still blossoming but in a man who is 30 35 you expect vivek to be there so what he should have done he should have done what any sensible person would have done either been you know we as doctors we are told when you are examining a lady you call another lady to be present as an attendant why do we do it doctors are good guys isn't it they are good but they are human so you have it is a part of the code of the medical ethics why you do it simply because you don't know when passions can cloud your vivek this i am giving an example that how when vivek can cloud us we may end up taking steps and reach a point whose consequences are now beyond our control it it happens at national levels in pakistan opec they were allowed china to enter inside this is without the use of vivek why you have done it on impulse we need a strong power to be with our side because america is backing out now what happens now you run the risk of becoming a vassal state of china you have played your game you can't now tell them that look you know go back sensible countries have recognized it what did malaysia do say i want to revisit the terms of contract that's called vivek so at every level you see that there is a use of vivek vivek is not just reason it the power to discriminate foresee within foreseeable limits the result or consequences of our actions nobody can foresee completely there are always unexpected things around the corner so these two are within the reach of human beings which can prevent a lot of problems and they can also of course help us when we are not well of course by then it's sometimes too late but this is the principle of counseling we use the word cognitive therapy it's a very nice word but what is at the root of it by various means you are trying to awaken the vivek though you are doing it very imperfectly because you don't even understand but an indian would use the word vivek he will not use the word cognitive therapy because he knows vivek is much greater than cognitive therapy you can use it for delusions you can use it for obsessions you can use it for depression so on and so forth so this is one of the things given to us very powerful lever to take care of the vital storms it can be a great learning experience but what if you know i am caught in the storm don't tell me now you know it's like people they tell a child don't do this don't do this in 100 don'ts then the child does it and the child has a fall 
and he calls his dad dad help me what are the kind of responses dads can make i'm sorry just got a flu and what are the responses one bad response i told you so caught yourself doing it don't make this response this is not the time to do that they <laughs> say you will get opportunity to do, do that right now the point is is fallen he needs help so rush when a person is in storm you don't tell the person see you have led a life without vivek you didn't care to discover your psychic being here you are fellow you are caught no that's not what this knowledge is meant for you teach him how to get help what the person needs is peace quietude and they are not available in this market zone where we are caught up so stormy island where fake products are there you are looking for a genuine diamond we live in life in a turbulent zone we don't realize it as i said because we are used to it you know like people who go on potholes and they like it they are used to it they even make fun of it it's not good to live life like that but we are used to it every year the money comes and the, all the ministers will pick pocket that money still we will vote the same ministers it we, we have, you know it's like indifference callousness or oh, potholes they are part of a life traffic it is like this that's how we live but it's not good to live like that you know that's not what we are meant for so we need to understand that because we are used to this disorder we accept certain things but there is something still greater from where we can draw the forces of order and harmony and peace and that is beyond the zone of the human consciousness we move in a very narrow band so we should try to tune into those higher frequencies you see that there are days when you are in such a beautiful state that nothing can disturb and it has an impact on others and there are days when it's just the opposite even when things are going well things get into disorder so we should practice calling this peace from above so what do you how do you do it practically a person comes to you and says well i don't know i have never tried it so what will we do as therapists or as human beings we should have tapped it before we tell anyone and if we have tapped it all that we need to do is to stay quiet stay quiet and do what don't counsel don't give advices bring peace and quietude into your system let it extend don't make it dramatic divine forces don't like drama what is dramatic okay i am going to practice do this on you sit down close your eyes i will give you some peace don't enter into that mambo jumbo don't have to tell that i am doing a healing because i am not the doer just inwardly open and aspire but if we have not gathered peace and harmony inside us how will we give it shri ramakrishna used to tell jama kiya nahi kharcha karne laga so every day we should if we want to be torches in the world who would help set bring harmony and peace and order into this world every day we must 
gather this wealth, this inner wealth. The Gita speaks of it as the wealth of the devas and the wealth of the asuras. Wealth of the devas is all inner things. And wealth of the asura is all outer things. Today I have this much money, tomorrow I will have more, share markets are going to go up. Tomorrow I have defeated this enemy, tomorrow that enemy also will be defeated. This is talks about as the wealth of the asura, all external things. Today I have got this qualification, tomorrow I will get this one. Wealth of the asura. We congratulate. We should be careful, oh my God, already his head was stolen. Now he is a double PhD. God please save him. Ek sir swollen head is okay. Ravana is dangerous. Sari, aapka bachi ne double PhD kiya hai. Kaha ki? Harvard mein? Oh my God. Bhaut achi job mein hai. Achha? Inwardly you should pray. Lord save him. This fellow doesn't know. Isn't it? But we... Chha, iske bachi ne kiya? Mere bachi ne kiyo ne kiya? Sometimes I tell this and you know, I had a very interesting interaction. None of this can be done mechanically. No, a parent who were taking care of a mentally handicapped child. Only child. And, you know, obviously they were going through a lot of pain. And One day spontaneously I felt like, I said, you know what, there is something very special about your child. I said, what? I said, because his mind is not there, he will never be crooked, he will not deceive anyone. I said, yes. I said, have you looked at it like this? He will never ever cheat anyone. It was like an aha moment. And it changed their whole outlook. That's really a beautiful little child. Okay, he's not intellectually developed. He's not qualified, he's gone through the grades. He needs help. But at core, he is a child who has just love in his heart. Nothing else. He cannot cheat anyone, he doesn't deceive anyone. So it's a perspective that we, you know, but the wealth of the gods that we need to accumulate. So every day if we want to be really therapists or helpers, so-called, we need to tap into this source every day, call this peace, call this harmony, order, beauty, wideness. Wideness, if we, wideness is a power of the divine. It can be a tremendous help to mend many things, including our relationships, understanding. You know, people often say, by debating, we will understand. You have only to watch all the debates on TV. And you will know this is not true. You don't understand by debating. You understand by growing into whiteness. You understand by growing into suppleness. Then you see that the same idea can take many forms. You will understand that different people have different approaches to life. It's okay. It's okay if your son wants to become a, you know, jazz singer. It's alright. Don't have to feel bad about it. It's okay if your daughter doesn't want to marry. It's perfectly fine because you have that wideness and suppleness to look at life. Otherwise you'll discuss with her, discuss with her, get more and more frustrated. She'll be frustrated. One day either you will win or she will win. But both will lose. If you win and you see her unhappy for the rest of her life, you will say, why did I do this? If she wins, then she will see, oh my dad is always sitting with a mullet kaya face. That's not the way to solve the issues, whiteness. So these are powers of the divine. We should aspire for them every day. Then we can very naturally transmit it. And as I said, without fanfare, without drama, without mambo jambo, without putting a board outside, I am a 
this healer and that healer <laughs> because then I am prominent. Let the divine be prominent and I step into the background. The more we do it, life will become more and more beautiful. The great art of life is the art of doing nothing. And that is only possible when we know that there is only one who does everything. I will just give a break here and if there are questions we will take it. Otherwise, we will just... Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Anything spontaneous. I think the mic will be there. And... Uh, so, we were talking about uh, uh, you know, the power of science. Uh, I have a question. If two individuals they are sharing the same space, physical space, and uh, they choose they understand that they have a personality which goes apart and they have, they have come in the awareness of it and at the same time they also understood if this is something they need to just accept it. So they choose to uh, choose to have silence which is definitely constructive because it is letting both of them to evolve as an individual where both of them have their own path to evolve. But when these two individuals are having this evolution period and evolution stages of their life, we do have people around who would want to judge you, who would want to say, oh, there is something wrong. And definitely I'm talking about yeah, yeah, um, right. uh, you know, arrangement or something for yeah, marriage. Yeah. So uh, how, how do, or what is the most... Uh, uh, appropriate approach, or how do these two people deal with these people who are sitting with high amount of judgment and making all the attempts to be shame them and mm. passing all such comments about, oh, this is wrong, this is not okay. wrong, oh my god, there has to be some remedy. Okay. These two people are sitting here, okay, we are fine about it. <clears throat> so we'll, uh, we'll take it in two, three steps. One is, first is about two people who are poles apart. So, uh, there, is a, there are two types of fundamental relationships. One is relationships of affinities and second is relationships of complementarities. Somehow, nature has a sense of humor and it brings people <laughs> with complementarities together because, you know, it, it helps in evolution. So, when people are poles apart, actually it's an evolutionary relationship, but it will be very turbulent, precisely, because they are poles apart. Evolution is a painful process. When you have two people with sharing similar things, very affinity kind of relationship, you will be happy but probably very little scope of evolution, which you are actually talking of in terms of experience. That when people are poles apart, they, they, they want to discover some means, either to break free, to discover something new and therefore the evolutionary momentum is very strong. When people have very fine, everything, oh, we are just perfectly made for each other. Maybe we are in the kindergarten of, uh, <laughs> you know, relationship. There is a third level where there is love, which is a different thing altogether, which is the ultimate remedy. If we can awaken the power of true love, then nothing matters. Complementarities or affinities, we just love regardless of the person's. So, ultimate thing, solution, if you ask me, is to awaken the power of love. But meanwhile, there will be many intermediate solutions and one of them is each, and it's a wonderful solution by the way, to give freedom and space to each other. 
you move your way, we, I move my way. If we are meant for each other, we'll meet. You know, there's a very nice thing. One read in uh, one of the earlier books, um, I think it was Richard Bach. When you love a friend, give him freedom. If you are meant to be together, he'll come back to you. <laughs> As a blessing. So don't close the door, keep possibilities open. And uh, maybe after 10 years of entering into that evolutionary process, you may discover that yes, now we can engage with each other more meaningfully. And so the door should be open. As to people, they are the most, uh, tell you, I feel like saying some very uh, hard words. But anybody who lives to uh, satisfy or follow social norms, religious codes, etc., etc., is unfit for evolutionary life, is not ready even to step into the spiritual life. Mother gave a very interesting example. she gives actually this example is there in a collected work. She gives the example of a lady who was here and uh, everybody was very fond of her because she had all the beautiful qualities, very charming, affectionate, caring and she had an intellectual bent of mind also and people were really very fond of her. So, uh, it so happened that she started living with a man, obviously without marriage. Now look how futuristic the mother has been. <laughs> And she said, the moment she started doing it, people started judging her and shunning her. Oh my God, this lady, oh she has fallen, oh she is this, oh she is that. And she says, on top of it, they are already doing something idiotic. They compound one stupidity with another by saying, mother does not like it, mother does not like that. And mother says, what do they know of me? In my name they are telling her, mother does not like it. So, you know, mother, by now she is from the Mahalakshmi entering into the Mahakali aspect. And at the end she says, she does not say a word about the lady. She says, people who judge like this and who are only living according to the social norms and for the social thing, they are not ready to take even the first step on the spiritual path. So you just take it like that, that, you know, of course we live in democracy so everybody is equal. But the fact is that some are in graduation, others are in kindergarten. So what do you talk to kindergarten children? You just, you know, say, Bacha, bade hoge, hoge. <laughs> So what else? You can't get angry, you know, because the person does not understand. Obviously, you'll need a great degree of development. We all go through it. See, nobody ever reaches a spiritual life. You'll see it's very common. Whenever we have these seminars, almost every time you'll see people, you know, who have gone through challenges. In Savitri, there is a line where uh, the Divine Mother asks, or Savitri asks the gods, O luminous and happy company of the gods, tell me where is my secret soul? And they say that, you know, you follow the world's winding highway to its source. There on the bare feet you will see a living fire trod by a few wounded pilgrim feet. Ek Urdu mein iska wo hai, shair hai. Ki Bhagawan ke darwaje pe jo gaya hoga, kya pehchan hogi uski? What is he, what is he wearing? What tikka? What scriptures he is read? No. He says, look at his feet. Pao mein chala hoga. Beautiful, no? Pao mein chala hoga. Then you begin to seek. 
aspire. So, but you can't tell this. People are fools. Just stay away from them. Be indifferent. Upiksha bhav. That's prescribed in the scriptures. Or best, if you can do it, just a smile. Thank you so much. I wish you grow up one day. You understand what life is about. You understand what love is about. You understand what truth is about. You understand what the divine really is. That's all you can do. So, the solution mother gave to Champaklalji, I find it's the best. Champaklal, my child, smile at everything. Smile when you are happy. Smile when you are in difficulty. Smile when you are in pain. And this smile comes from a luminous trust in the divine grace. After all, we are not here to just lead a happy married life. That's so silly. I find it so strange. There can be a goal like that. I have always found it silly and strange. Somebody having a goal, I want to lead a happy married life. Or I want to, you know, become a big doctor. Are you, this, this, this is a goal. Right? Life given to us. But there are people who are, as I said, kindergarten. It's fine. They learn one day. Pray for them. <laughs> that they grow up. <laughs> Don't spoil your day. You are on track right. <laughs> but as I said, there is one more thing which will come. And it comes in everybody's life in its own way. And that is love. Love overrides everything. You'll ask? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, absolutely. So, through a kind of discussion, like with adolescents, is a very common thing. So, what you should do is, don't take away the right to choose. Number one, very important. Discuss. The person is blinded. is not able to see many things. So, you give your suggestion based on what you are able to see. Obviously, the other person is not able to see. After you have done it, leave the person free. Because you have already created a ground where when one goes through the consequence, it's okay. What's wrong? Goes through life, learns to experience. That's the nature. Nature teaches like that. Life teaches like that. But go through that process. Don't just condemn them saying, Explain, discuss. And don't take away their choices. Let them choose. You know, in the Gita at the end, what does Sri Krishna do? He first tells him that, Arjuna, you want to sit on the side? You do it if you want to. First day you will see that your brothers are uh, getting killed. Your blood will boil. Either you will have a heart attack or you will rush into the battle. Because you are a born Kshatriya. Your true nature is... It doesn't match your nature. If it was a Brahmin, I would have told him, Okay, fine, take Vairagya. Number one. Then he goes through a whole series of understanding about life. At the end, look at Krishna the teacher. He is divine. What does he tell him? Well, I have said what I had to say. Now you make your choice. So choice is something sacred. Give them the freedom to make choice. It's okay. They will learn. People learn by... It's a learning. It's, a, it's also an education. 
but discuss. That's all you can do. Maybe in some it will click. Maybe when they go a few steps ahead, they will see that, ah, yeah, this too. My mom told me this. And they will begin to get the Vivek awakened. Because you have already primed and given your input. So that's what you can do. And then when they have gone their way, those whom we love and cherish, we know they are going to, you know, maybe, maybe not. So we pray every day, put them in contact with the divine that look, you know, this fellow is going his own way. This is how I look at it. Maybe, please protect, please let your grace be there. That's another thing we can do. Sometimes parents, particularly in a parent-child relationship, they don't listen to parent, but they listen to someone else. So it's good to, you know, if a child can have such an avenue or an outlet where one has someone in whom one can deeply trust, but don't try to go and prime them. That's not good. That's not a fair game. Sometimes parents come and tell me, bache ko dikhana hai, usko thoda bataiye, padhai kaise karega, padhai nahi karta hai, usko doctor kaise banega. So I tell them, thank you very much. If you want counselling, I am fine with it, but child needs the counselling later, if at all. So, you know, let, let them meet someone whom they can trust. So if nobody, then yeah, please. <laughs> you can ask, I think we can hear it. So, uh, when we are talking about the changing uh, minds of young people and at the same time people of who are evolving and we are rediscovering ourselves at this stage and we have definitely spoke about how today's generation talks about, uh, you know, be true, don't try to fool, don't judge me and all these things. So, uh, at this age, there seems to be uh, two avenues of understanding. And if somebody is, uh, uh, you know, would like to, as like I am a person who would like to have a relationship with spirituality, then what do you suggest the best approach for a person to deal with young minds who are looking for this evolution? Okay, yeah. But at the same time, how can we, you know, deal yeah. with this? Aspect of our 90s mindset and today's mindset, and how do we cope up with that? Let it be spiritual and not ritual to start with. So, spirituality up till now has come clothed in various brands. <laughs> One of them is religion, it has become dated, it won't work, or it came in the brand of idealism. It's powerless because you know you will. You don't understand what human nature is and you want to change it. So you will end up falling flat. You know, all activist movements, what happens to them because they don't reckon. So spirituality should be a deeper and a wider and a greater understanding of who we are and what the world is. It should be uh, given in a way which connects with their own life and not as something which is outside life where they have to go somewhere and maybe, you know, meet a particular guru and maybe bow down and... Well, some are marked for that. That's, you know, you have reached a point, wonderful. Like, for me, the most delightful thing is to just love her and surrender to her. But if we start approaching children like that, they will uh, get turned off and for right reasons. Because, you know, this is not the age for that. It, you know, that is a rare exceptional 
element. Some people, the soul is very awake. It recognizes the divine. But right now we are talking of a general spiritual evolution in a mass way. So, truth itself is a wonderful trail. So, I discuss with children about, okay, what's your understanding of truth? What's being real? So, they discover various elements in them. So I say, which of them is true? So, first they discover, oh my God, I have plenty of things inside, even contradictory elements. Thank you so much. So, how can we call it true? So, which one is true? So, then they begin to arrange it in a hierarchical manner. And one of the things I discuss, grace can come in such nice way. Since yesterday I have fever and flu. I didn't ask for a tea, but this is the most welcome thing that, you know, I can... So, it's um, overwhelming. Grace can come in a cup of tea. You know, you can have storm in a teacup, you can have grace in a teacup. And I'm sorry, it may look very... I'm not asking anyone for the tea, but I hope you understand. One tea, so, you know, you will have your share. Yeah, that's right. So... The, the point is that talk to them in a very, uh, I don't like the word secular, but I don't know, you know, that's one word which comes. Mm. Shubhinda gave a very nice passage in the human cycle, which you should read. It comes when he talks about the spiritual evolution of mankind and conditions for the coming of the spiritual age. And there he says, therefore the individuals who will most help this evolution are those who will not be... Uh, confined to certain forms and formulas. The only thing they will insist on is the fact of a spiritual evolution. Nothing else. At this point of time, that's all that is needed. It can take this line, that line, countless lines. It doesn't matter. Now, this is not to say we shouldn't draw a conclusion and become iconoclasts. To each his own. When I go to the mother, it's a physical expression of what I am living inside as it's like you know when you love someone I'll give an example between ritual and spiritual so when I love someone and you meet that person what do you feel ah wow is it that that moment you are loving no you love when you look at the picture oh wow somebody whom I love and you give a kiss why because you love it doesn't mean if you didn't give a kiss you didn't love you still love now ritual is when you have none of this feeling, look at the picture, you others are looking at how you are behaving. Ah, so nice, no? Beautiful. Inside you are saying, what a stupid fellow. <laughs> then it's falsehood. And it will not help at all. So religion had become a means of perpetuating much falsehood. People went to religious ceremonies and everything for social reasons. Yesterday only I was discussing this was in some context and I was saying you know what when we were youngsters 14-15 we went to mandir so what we were you know looking for not the gods ah the dresses the girls are coming you know it's look what a place the divine chooses match making place mandir mein ja ke aap dekh rahe ho so you know girls are coming they are also coming well dressed so I was telling that this is a complete lower network of forces which at that point of time obviously we didn't understand. You have to go through that. Social pressure, mandirs were places for matchmaking incidentally. Ajay, who is ladki hai? 
वो आए थे अच्छा गुप्ता जी की ओर की फाइन वट इज इज डूइंग वो लड़का कहाँ से यू नो दैट्स इट्स सो यू नो देन वाई यू वॉन्ट टू यूज गॉड फॉर दीज परपसेज लेट इम बी सेफ इन इज ओन दैट्स वाई बिकॉज ऑफ ऑल दिस गॉड इज हिडन इम सेल्फ यू नो वेर इज गॉन is run away from all the temples mosques churches gurudwaras and every damn place upon earth <laughs> and he has hidden himself in the human heart he said yahan nahi dekhenge he is not man will not search for me <laughs> he is search for me outside so with children don't bring this element at all of the external when time comes for the completeness fullness when they need to go to somebody which is their destiny when they have what shubhendu would say the call but general spiritual evolution is never prepared in this way 